Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. Today I show you John Cowley, founder of Whatify. Whatify is a visual financial planning software and tool that helps people think through different scenario analysis in a very different methodology than we're accustomed to. And with that, here's my interview with John. John, thanks for taking the time. Uh, thanks very much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity and uh, thanks for everything you're doing for us startups, uh, helping us uh, broadcast what we're doing. It's wonderful. Oh, my appreciate, my, my pleasure. So uh, let's me, actually, let's me get to see all kinds of cool stuff. That's why. Anyway, so John Cowley of Whatify, tell us about Whatify. Whatify. So Whatify saw my house here in Vancouver and moved the family to Penticton or Portland or back to Toronto. Whatify buy this house or this house, rent out the basement upon Airbnb. What if my wife goes back to work part-time, full-time? We're flipping maybe to the business use cases. What if we open an office in Malaysia or Singapore, hire CMO, agencies, all these sort of if this, then that type decisions. So Whatify is a highly visual, low-code financial scenario builder and projections platform. So we make it easy for advisors, professionals of any ilk really to visually create, calculate, present, and share multiple concurrent financial scenarios to their clients. Best to kind of think sort of decision trees combined with Excel and a sprinkle of Google reviews in there as well. Let's just be clear. This is not Excel, all right? Because <laughs> I like to say everybody loves Excel, but I also hate it because it, everybody becomes overly on it. Okay. So before we get into the company and start dissecting exactly what it does, give me a little bit about your history and where you came across this idea. Yeah. So imagine most of your uh, guests are FinTech, you know, runs through their blood. We're actually outsiders. My backstory is I run a visual effects company by day. So I'm from the movie business. I've been creating some of the coolest movies you've ever seen and also some of the biggest duds that you've probably ever missed. And a lot of this is actually leveraging technology and workflows from a highly visual industry applied to finance. So in startup lore, you've got two types of successful founders. You've got people that have either been knee deep in a particular vertical for ages and ages and ages, or you have that outsider piece where someone's brought something from another landscape and applied it to a different vertical and had success. So I'm really kind of banking on the second one as opposed to the first one. So in visual effects, we use this procedural software to create all the images you see in the movies. So my kids were born. I had some what ifs. So back to some of those things. What if my wife goes back to work? What if she doesn't? We have multiple houses, real estate, mortgage payments, career choices. And I built all the crazy spreadsheets. I did all the crazy numbers. But even then, I couldn't sit there and look at all those calculations confidently and be sure that they were correct. Too many variables, especially time, time being a big one of those. And sort of second to that, even if I had the sexiest spreadsheet in the world, if I show that to my wife, it means nothing. It's just not the way that her brain thinks and works. Yeah. Define sexy spreadsheets, because I'll tell you right now, even from teaching, there's what people think works. There's the problem. All spreadsheets are developed for the user. And very few people think about using this presentation devices. So that's just my personal gripe about the number of things like, oh, this is my complex spreadsheet. It's awesome. Like, I can't tell where you're going with anything. I'm sure your wife would have said the same thing. Exactly. If you sit in any, you know, Excel is a wonderful tool used across many, many different industries. In many respects, uh, our tool is hopefully going to do the same. But you never sit there in a meeting, pop up a spreadsheet, and someone says, well, what if we do this? And no one instantaneously says, okay, boom, 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 boom. There's always the, let me get back to you. Or if you send a spreadsheet yep. to somebody, there is the Rubik's, what do I want, the uh, the Rosetta Stone tablet required to sort of translate that one. If it's not well put together and yeah. communicated, it's sort of a dead sort of piece. So yeah, never own, mind if there's an error in the code somewhere, you're like, how many how many spreadsheets out there have some sort of formula error and you don't detect it for years? Like it's just, there's too many things that can break easily. So taking exactly those same sort of problems, so the software that we use in visual effects is very node-based and procedural. So we connect together all of these pre-built uh, logic events there to create all the images you've seen in movies. You have a file event, a color correct event, your computer-generated dinosaur, all these things. Because each of these steps are separate, 
and pass information from step to step to step, back to your Excel example there, it's very easily to follow along the roadmap and the history of how something happens. It's also very procedural, which means you can go back up that stack, talk to Steven Spielberg, hey, can you make the dinosaur pink? Can you make the dinosaur come in half a second earlier? And you can make a change, you can do a time offset and a color crack. So the aha moment was, why can't I take that same sort of logic and apply it to finance instead? Why can't I have a house event? Why can't I have two house events? Why can't this one have a mortgage? This one have a basement suite? Connect them together in this decision tree type format. The difference though, instead of just being visual like a decision tree, our algorithm runs through every single possible branch of that decision tree day by day by day by day and calculates all the account data that goes along with it. And you can put this in front of people in a way that they can see it, walk it through, follow the dots almost literally follow the dots to understand what this particular journey does, what this particular journey does, what this particular journey does along the way. Excellent. I mean, I've seen this kind of, I remember when we first uh, connected, I think, um, I remember I was telling you, I'd seen that kind of software, but never specific in the financial industry. And I think, let's just be clear, a couple of things. The same problem that exists for spreadsheets exists for most financial planning softwares, right? We were, so many things are interconnected that someone says, what if I do this? It's like, okay, maybe I can do this on the fly if it's simple, but if it's a really complex question, it triggers a series of other actions. I kind of got to go back to page one on this and do another scenario and get back to you. So it's something we're very familiar with, that, that pain specifically. But what you've done, I'd say, is again, because it's a decision tree layout, if you can just picture a bunch of points and then things shooting off in different directions, if you go this route or that route, I mean, it's a very simple and easy to follow logical path, right? Exactly. And one of the things that we do that uh, may not be transparent uh, at first blush there, if I'm in a spreadsheet and I'm adding this column to this column, there's no information about what that data is. You know, your mortgage payment is only your mortgage payment because the next sell over says mortgage payment. And if your, uh, you know, dividends um, balance on July 1st, 2026 is this other sort of sell, there's nothing there that indicates that other than how we label that information. In our structure, every single one of these events creates and modifies metadata. We call it context that goes downstream. Uh So say, for example, the very first event in my system tells me where I live and I'm in Vancouver. Therefore, that means when I add a tax event at the end of my stack, it's going to use Vancouver tax tables, right? British Columbia tax tables. If I have a what if I scenario that six years from now, I'm going to retire to New Brunswick or three years from now, I'm going to move back to Ontario. Each of those paths, as the algorithm marches through day by day by day, it says British Columbia, British Columbia, British Columbia, British Columbia. And then six years years now, it will flip that switch and now say New Brunswick or Ontario. That metadata gets modified day by day by day and passed down the downstream calculations. So there's no such thing in our system as just a number or just a value. There is a whole bunch of metadata that's wrapped around that number that allows downstream things to adjust accordingly. So if I say upstream, and I keep leaning the real estate example just because that's our sort of our go-to benchmark or beachhead. But in a real estate example, if I am a first-time home buyer, your calculations are different. If you are a real estate investor and doing this for years, your calculations are different. And I don't have to create uh, different calculations. It's all getting updated automatically downstream. And if suddenly I flip that switch upstream, everything downstream will change. So the end of the day, people get to play with this to their heart's content in front of whatever kind of scenario they want just by simply adding a node, changing a node. That's, that's what I what I liked about what I saw was that the path followed more or less the timeline, 
right? So if I was going to change provinces, for example, it's like, oh, I'm going to live in this house and sell in six years. And by the way, at the same time, I'm going to move to BC, in which case then, you know, everything changes again. So it was, it's very much architected in such a way that it flows with time, with the timeline itself, which I guess having come from video production, that's exactly how you would do it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the current tools don't support time as well as time needs to be supported. A plus B equals C today, but A plus B six months from now is something different yet again. And you know, a lot of tools just don't support that very, very well. So we've approached this very visually. So uh, if anyone's spending any time in an editing timeline, you drop a clip onto an editing timeline, you can slide that time, that clip around on the timeline. You can open up the beginning of that one and add five or six seconds, or let's say five or six weeks. You can add up more to the end. You can push times and dates around interactively and see what that does to your resulting calculations. The other things that we're doing, which are really, really important, is we're building a roadmap. So what I like to say is we have a concept of a baseline. And a baseline is everything that's real in someone's life. My wife, my kids, my mortgages, my job. We timed a lot of third-party APIs to drive that baseline. So right now we're integrating with Flinks, Plaid's on our roadmap, so that every single day that starting point is accurate or as accurate as it can possibly be with the tools that are out there. Then what we do is we also create goals at the other end, where we want to go. I want to have $2.5 million in my tax-free savings account, blah, 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 or this or that or that. We can create multiple goals on the end. No different than what everyone works right now, other than the fact that our baseline updates every single day. And then I have seven or eight different routes to get to Valhalla, our goals. And what you're able to do is to sort of see whether you can actually achieve those goals with the plans that you're laying out, knowing all the variables that are in the system and in the future there. And then what our algorithm does and our integrations do is every single day we update the baseline. So we can see how you're progressing along those seven or eight different paths to Valhalla, meaning your goals, and Mm -hmm. whether you're progressing well or poorly along those paths. And that gives us the ability to have automated notifications saying, hey, that $20,000 trip to Disneyland you just booked, has just kind of pooched your future plans there. Are you sure you really want to do this? And I think the, the big, big value add there ultimately is I want to get away from that moment where an advisor calls up their client and says, hey, it's been a year. How are things going? And I love that conversation instead to be, hey, it's been six weeks since we last talked and I noticed that, right? Now there's privacy, mm-hmm. there's things in there, but really making, I can sit there and look at my Google Analytics and all of my dashboards. I can tell how many people logged into my website today. I can do all of that. I don't feel like we're doing a, a strong enough job professionals to having that sort of day-to-day insight with their clients. And I think we can really yeah. unlock that day-to-day progression with this this workflow. I'd largely agree with you there. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's um, I think it's going to be really hard for people to wrap their head around what they're what it is you're doing. So basically, there's a demo link. We'll be sure to include in the show notes. Unconventional. It's like it's like no other financial planning software I've seen in that in that essentially it is a bunch of because it's a decision notes. It's a series of decision notes. And I'm glad you you know went with the entire kind of templated approach because I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, well, I got a lot of data to put in here in lots of different ways and being able to, you know, simply slap on, okay, so you just want to basically retire and put your kids through school. Boom. Here's the template for that. Fill out the stuff. And now you got it. Now you want to throw, that's your baseline. You want to do something else, go ahead and throw in something else. Right. And we, you know, part of the value prop, we always tell people with financial planning is that now, once we have this modeled, you decide that you want to retire early. You decide you want to buy a cottage. You decide we want to give a gift to your kids, whatever it is. It's a lot easier for us to handle now because essentially we can just go in and update the model. Whereas what you're doing is I'd say the updating of the model is even, is even simpler. You're dropping in an event node and putting in the variable and ta-da, everything else downstream updates. So very unique approach and very novel approach that has not been taken elsewhere in this industry. Yep, and that's, that's where we're counting on it. We know there's going to be adoption and it's a different way of thinking and, and there'll be a learning curve to it. 
The transparency there is one of the big value adds. The uh, Usually in startup, you're supposed to have your three big value propositions. So our three big value propositions are one, with this framework, you can build scenarios far more quickly than the, in the kind of current tools that are there, right? Especially when they get a little more education, oh. very quickly drop things in. The second big value proposition is, is alternate scenarios. So the moment that I create a fork or a branch there, what if I do A or B? I now have two scenarios. If I create another one, I've got four. If I create another one, I've got eight. And a lot of the kind of current tools, you always have to go back and spend a lot more time trying to create those different sort of slices to explore. And the third one by far, the one that we get the most amount of feedback is the visualization, putting this in a framework that you can put in front of a client and they can see it and get it. And imagine as an advisor yourself, you've sat across from the table from one of your clients and you've explained something and you say, do you get it? And they say, yes. And you know, from the, the fading twinkle in their eyes that they didn't because you're speaking a language that's just different than their language. And I think visualization is this big equalizer, being able to see it. We also have a mechanism in the tool that allows anyone one to share that scenario with their stakeholders as well. So if you are a CFO building this, you can share it with a CEO and they can look at it cloud-based. I can share this. I'm building real estate scenarios right now as part of our testing and I can share it with those users. They can open it up immediately on their desktop, see the logic. They can play with a the number. They can make a little tweak and see what it looks like as opposed to necessarily having to come back to the professional to ask the silly little question. They can answer some of their own little silly little questions on their own and say, the advisor's time for the big stuff. Well, it's interesting too, because one of the, it's not just the visualization aspect. I think the causality is just so transparent with this, right? It's a lot of times people present a complete financial plan. Okay. You know, we tell them this works. And sometimes the answer is like, okay, you chose that. Why? Some of the newer softwares will allow you to go in and simply flip on, flip off that strategy and be able to see the difference and explain and talk your way through it, which is great. But there's always been a bit of a black box aspect to some financial planning softwares. And what you've done here with this kind of, because of the way the decisions are done is, I mean, the, okay, but why is easily answered? Because frankly, you can turn off that node, see the impact, turn on the node, see the impact, dig into the numbers as to why. So it, it just becomes so much more, I think, I think let's put it this way. I think people who are indecisive and hyper analytical are going to love your tool because it allows them to throw every scenario they want and just, you know, play around with different scenarios. If that, you know, to their heart's content. And uh, now that's not the only use case I have for you, but I can see those people being particularly like, Oh, thank God I can finally test everything I've ever wanted to test. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's going to be the pro power user. That's going to go a uh, hog wild with it. And hopefully some of it is about helping professionals build trust with their clients. So instead of just telling people what to do, they can actually see it and, and embrace that particular solution because they can see what it's there. One of the other things we're looking to do in our roadmap in the next sort of three months is for those pro users, allowing anyone to build these events themselves as well. So instead of us creating all of this business logic, anyone can build business logic in our tool, they can use it for their own purposes or they can marketplace it and they can share that. So if you were a domain expert in, I don't know, the cost of running a dog kennel in Botswana, like you can build on some of that logic there and share. That is the edge case and all edge cases, I gotta tell you. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is definitely the edge case and all edge cases. So, but yeah, really trying to, so, yeah. uh, so many tools are our niche right now and they, they tackle one little piece and it's ambitious to say we're gonna do it all, but by opening up our architecture and our framework, Anyone can do it all, and our users become our developers, sort of de facto behind the scenes. There's some blue sky to that one, but that's the goal. 
Yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it all it's all just math, right? But it's it's knowing it's got to be intelligent math that basically directs numbers in the right direction, and does the right thing with them. So I think it's interesting. You're crowdsourcing some of the future development by creating that that marketplace. It's a quite quite smart move. Well done in that regard. So yeah, the other variable uh, that's running really quickly too is. We all know our decisions aren't just financial as well. So we also have a ranking kind of algorithm that's in there. So all of these decision points, you have the ability to assign uh, in the early days a star rating to it. So one of the challenges I imagine you run into is if you give your clients 42 options, their head instantly explodes. But if there are 42 options, how do you sort those? How do you filter those in such a way that's digestible? And you can say, well, show me which particular, we call them threads, you know, paths through that decision tree, which particular thread is going to net you the highest net worth, which one's going to give you the, the best monthly cash flow, which one's going to give you the most number of dogs or cats or customers or whatever it is. But we also allow you to sort by sentiment data, ranks and reviews. So mm -hmm. in a multi-step, multi-decision journey, you may choose to take the lower paying job that has the best career opportunities for you that you will enjoy the most. That's your five-star choice. And you can sort them that way. Then by making an emotional choice, you can now go back and visit all of your remaining choices and now decide which ones need to be financial choices instead. So it's really trying to adopt that the decisions we make in life, there's a huge emotional component to it. And let's quantify mm -hmm. that instead of discarding them. Well, that's the thing. Any any piece of advice that doesn't take client preference and sentiment into account is, is doomed to failure. I mean, you can... <laughs> You tell people that you're blue in the face, they should downsize their house, but that doesn't mean a damn thing if they if they basically don't want to. So go back to when I first when you first showed me this. I think my exact response, I can't remember if it was over email or if it was over over Zoom, but I, I can remember my exact response being, huh? Like what can I say? I've seen every financial planning software on in multiple countries and not a couple of continents. And this is the most unique kind of graphical representation of decision making within financial planning I've seen. So that was my reaction. I'm curious. When you went and started testing this with people, what kind of response did you get uh, in terms of were, were they too intimidated by how for by, by how foreign the concept was or was it something they just immediately flocked to and said this is exactly what i need i've got data points across that whole spectrum so and validation is, is a messy thing we've been finalists in two canadian fintech competitions deja there uh, aquaphone uh, just sort of recently we were top five in that and national bank had their um, fintech competition just over a year ago now and we were top five in that what does that mean? Not a lot, but it also means that there is interest in this as being something uh, different and, and quite potentially powerful. They saw it as a cohort tool, data analytics, being able to see how people are, are planning out their futures. They saw it as a potential onboarding tool to get people into their systems in a lo-fi way. They saw it as a potential tool to help work their way down into the mass affluent group. If you can build these plans or even have people build some of their own plans before they pass it along to advisors, that can help take that 10-hour window of building a plan down to something that is more cost-effective. So wonderful feedback on that side of things. A lot of the advisors and professionals we've shown it to they all like the concept, right? It's like, this is really, really cool. And the visual piece they really, really get. So where we are right now is we have to build a layer of abstraction on top of it that's simpler. So we built this big, powerful calculation engine and way of working. And now we are working on what we're lovely calling Whatify Lite, which is a very simple, stripped down, even mobile friendly version of ways to get into this get their aha moment before having to learn a fundamentally different way of using the software. So in many respects, it's a design problem right now more than a power problem. Well, fair, yeah, fair enough. I mean, in the current day and age, power is not the problem when it comes to computing. It always comes down to UI, UX, and exactly. there's a lot of bad out there. 
Yeah, yeah. But, but the good news is, is that especially with something so foreign, being able to being able to figure out how to get them onboarded and, and working with it as fast as possible is going to be vital. So this is where you currently are. I mean, what else do you see this becoming? Yeah, there's there's blue sky. All right. So when in startup land, you're always putting your pitch deck together and you're saying who your competition is. Are we competing with the Navi plans and the e monies? Are we an add-on to the Navi, Navi plan and the e-monies? Are we bringing information in, running it through our visualization system, using it as a tool and spitting things out? Do we become, and this is really what we want to become more, a Zapier-like uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Zapier, stringing hmm. together between APIs, a whole bunch of other sort of tools there to create these complicated workflows. We really see that as our ultimate power is we are a calculation engine. We are using it for ourselves to build scenarios for people. But in a white label model of our technology, why is every fintech, why is every company, why is every real estate piece of software running all the numbers and building all these calculations behind the scenes, running them through our calculation engine and being able to model out these scenarios there? We maintain that. We tie into all the third-party APIs like Numbio to give you the cost of living or Flinks for your bank account balances. If you're in the States, we'll be tying into Zillow to get to the prices of houses being a singular source, almost like a personal dashboard and a professional dashboard for all of your interconnected decisions. So that's very interesting. The question becomes, do you foresee this actually put driving actions on other platforms? I mean, you mentioned Zapier. Zapier, I mean, you're, you're extracting data. That's one thing. It's a visualization tool. But to, to actually trigger actions on the other side of that? All very doable in the framework we have. So while we have calculation events, we've also roadmapped uh, trigger events. So if you are a uh, mortgage broker, and you are running all these particular scenarios, why at the end of that stack, the end of that thread, do you have to go and export all of this out and put it into some other tool to submit that to your lenders? Why can't there be just be a trigger event there that does that for mm. you? If you have uh, email notifications that are in there. So what our system also does for people that have the paid plans, it runs every single day behind the scenes that adjustment. What's happened overnight? How are your balances now? Has inflation changed? Has this changed? Has that changed? And how are you pacing towards your goals? So every evening, we can run this analytics pass to see how you're progressing. And that in turn can send out notifications to advisors, consultants. Here's the big idea. So think of a wagon wheel. And at the center of that wagon wheel is the individual, right? The, the C, right? And what happens right now in most decisions is that individual has to reach out to their mortgage broker, again, meaning the real estate is, as a good example, or to their accountant or to their financial advisor or to their real estate agent or to their mother. And they become a sort of central conduit that all that information has to come back and forth, right? In this dashboard kind of view where all that information is there and is updating, we see the ability to connect to the outside spokes that through this, you can share scenarios with your real estate agent and your mortgage broker at the same time. If you need to loop in your accountant or your financial advisor, all that's sort of existing in this central repository of actuals and hopes and dreams. So that's the big, big, big blue sky is to be that central center of the wagon wheel on connecting all the spokes together for all the professionals in your life to help you navigate your financial futures. That is quite the vision. So I hope you <laughs> and or someone gets there because uh, that's very necessary. You have to think big and then you have to kind of go back and find the breadcrumb steps to get there. Yeah, it's the old shoot for the moon. It's a shoot for the stars, but you don't hit the moon if you miss. And it kind of reminds me of the, um, did you hear about just one last anecdote before we wrap up? I was reading the other day about an artificial intelligence that was designed to like tell the different, tell between different types of certain type of food in Japan or something like that. And it turned out that, oh, it actually detects cancer better than anything they've ever, ever seen. It's just like, oh, okay. Well, good thing we tried for that really difficult one first. 
anyway, so uh, before we wrap up, three questions I ask everybody. First one is, if you had one wish for something you can change in the industry or your company, what would it be? I know I should be prepared for these ones because I know you ask them every single time. Things I'd like to change. I'd like to see, and this is a Canadian thing as I look at some of the American sort of VC and, and development landscape, I'd like to see uh, more collaboration between fintechs so that we rise mm. all boats, uh, rise the ocean all together instead of everyone trying to win on their own. And that kind of fits into our open framework, open architecture thing. I would love to get to a stage where other fintechs are embedded into our platform and vice versa, as opposed to having to win at all. So I'd love to see that kind of Canadian mindset approach to finance. Yeah, well, American platforms, for those of you listening to the States, you guys love integrations. I wish to God I had integrations. But I think in general, what you're kind of hitting upon is what I think is going to be a larger trend in technology altogether. The pace of innovation is just neck break at this point. And the reality is, is that there's lots of really good ideas that do some one thing really, really well. And trying to build the entire stack is becoming, there's too many other, there's too many good ideas to round up into one thing. So I, I fully see a universe where it becomes more about microservices. It becomes, it becomes, hey, you know, maybe there's the one bigger piece of software like the e-monies or, or whoever else, where that does the, the bulk of it. But, you know, if I want to talk to a client about decision-making and all this other stuff, you know, like, frankly, your tool is far better than that. So why don't I utilize you? Why can't I just tie to their API and draw out that information? And, you know, one of you guys do the calculations, but, you know, whoever it is, that's it, it's fine. It's, you know, it's similar, not not similar, but different. I mean, um, previous guest of the show, Asset Maps, who does a wonderful job of visualization of someone's financial life. Not the most robust financial planning tool in the market, but damn, does it do a really good job of, of explaining to consumers what it is they're, they're, what it is that their lives look like. So powerful. The second question for you is, what's been the biggest challenge in the company where it is today? I guess the biggest challenge, at the same time, also probably our biggest sort of strength is the fact that we are outsiders kind of coming in. So it means I don't think this idea would have come to fruition if I had been deeply vested in finance, right? Because I would have been comfortable with the tools that are there. So it's that outsider thinking. The biggest challenge as a result, though, is I can't call up Bill, who worked at RBC together 20 years ago, and say, hey, Bill, can you run this up the flagpole and put this in front of your decision makers? So it is those barriers entries as a company, as we're growing, building those connections and getting in front of the decision makers that can um, leverage our tools. Excellent. And final question for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and gets you out of bed every morning to keep on fighting the good fight? Because I think I can make people's lives better. Clarity, peace of mind, mental stress. When you are able to get the monkeys out of your head, you know, all the questions and the doubts and all this sort of stuff, out on a piece of paper or into some sort of format that you can uh, disconnect from the, from the chatter in your head, see it in a way there, understand it, share that with other people. I think we have the ability to make a, a pretty big impact on yeah, clarity and peace of mind, you know, that people can understand their options in life, including when they're getting themselves in trouble and get ahead of those curves, or even just knowing everything's gonna be fine. So that trip to Disneyland, if you want to take it, go for it. It's the math is all gonna work out. Don't don't overthink it. That's where I think we can make the biggest difference. Yeah, I would say that there's something very powerful and very, very positive about those moments that I've had with clients where where basically the, the one thing they were afraid to do, you liberate them from that line of thinking by telling them it's gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can do this. You're not gonna make yourself worse off. For it. So, so yeah, any, any tool that helps get people get to that, that moment of, uh, of clarity and the lack of anxiety around those decisions is one I'm in favor of. So John, thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And, um, basically I hope to, everybody takes the time to, uh, take a look at what you're up to. Yeah. Wonderful. I appreciate that. And I look forward to this feedback. So that was my interview with John Cowley of what if I, I hope you enjoyed that. And like I said, it's please take the time to go check it out because frankly, it's like no other financial planning software you've seen in terms of the UI and UX. 
And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your podcast. It really does help people discover us. Thank you very much and take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.